Hey guys, before this episode, I just want to do a quick shout out to a couple of podcasts out there. The first one is called Secular Stories, and these guys were nice enough to let me on to their show, the latest episode, wherein I ranted for probably around 20 minutes about Donald Trump, among other things. Um, There's a lot more there to listen to as well. You can catch up with them by just doing a search on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever for Secular Stories. I highly recommend it. The second podcast is called Poorly Summarized, and uh, they were nice enough to play the 60-second spot that I had made promoting this show, and uh, it's such a great show um, that uh, I'm very excited to be on it. Um, It's probably going to take place in June around that area, and I'm not sure when when it's going to air exactly, but um, really excited, really thrilled, so uh, hope you guys will be listening to Poorly Summarized. You can find that over at poorlysummarized.com, and it's also available where fine podcasts are sold for free. That would be iTunes, Stitcher, etc. Well, with all that said, let's move on with this episode. Hey guys, this week I've got the second part of an interview I did with funeral home director Jeff Jorgensen. If you haven't heard the first part of it, I recommend you go to shareasliceodcast.com. That's a new site I set up where you can listen to current episodes and all the previous episodes too. So without further ado, let's jump right into this interview. Oh, yeah, actually, uh, one of the requests was a legal request, but I don't know if anybody ever asked to do something that they don't know necessarily is against the law. I guess that might happen occasionally. Um, every once in a while, I'm trying to think of an instance where it's happened, um, and they're not leaping to mind. Uh, no, I mean, I don't, I don't get a whole bunch of questions, you know, like, well, can you keep my dad in a cooler until we can eat him or something like that. I mean, that, that stuff doesn't <laughs> I, drop up. Actually, I, yeah, I actually have an experience with, uh, uh, by proxy cannibalism. Um, <laughs> it, it oh, happens. Okay, this ought to be rich. I went, I went out with a, a girl in university and, uh, she was, she was very interesting. And, one day if she's she, coming up in this story. I would imagine she. Yeah. <laughs> one one day she told me she said she said Sean. Well, she used to call me Mackie because the last name is McGuire. But she said mm-hmm. Mackie, when you die, I want to I want you to get cremated so then I can add a little bit of you to my coffee every morning. That sounds revolting. And and then I, I I can only imagine it must be chunky. I mean maybe maybe it might cause like you know, well it'd be like eating sand. Yeah, I guess might be good for for uh, keeping regular. But I mean, we're, this is rapidly becoming totally uh, you know inappropriate. But basically, um, yeah, that was that was kind of freaked me out a little bit that she would actually That's... take me and add me to her coffee every morning. Yeah, that's not hooked up properly. I mean, <laughs> practically speaking, it, it wouldn't work very well. I and mean, it'd be like putting sand into your coffee. Um, but from a philosophical side, that's just cracked. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it was an interesting, interesting relationship. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm sure. Speaking of actual, uh, uh, you know, technical things, um, you know, many people, you know, they probably find the whole concept of embalming kind of, kind of nasty and gross and nauseating, mm-hmm. disturbing, maybe even stinky. Um, did mm-hmm. you did you ever like uh, did you have a point where you initially you were just revolted and then it just kind of like you got used to it I guess by embalming specifically I guess so I mean maybe I'm not really up on all the terms I mean uh, so I mean I, I mentioned it earlier embalming is is the replacement of bodily fluids with with chemicals typically formalin based and so what that what that process does, you usually will, you know, pick up an artery and a vein and, you know, one's an in and one's an out and you pump the fluid into the body and it moves throughout the vascular system. That's the primary. There's three types. There's, um, anyway, (laughs) that's the primary type of embalming that's that's used all three of, so, so anyway, the process itself is, I mean, it, it's quite clinical, and it, it's strange. Um, there, I mean, when you see an autopsy case, um, it's uh, it's shocking the first time you see it, um, and there's there's an element of revulsion. Um, I mean, there's so here's the thing about preparation of the dead that. I have to harken back to my early years to remember there is nothing that prepares you for it in, and I put this in air quotes, the regular world. So you have no frame of reference for watching a cremation or watching an embalming or seeing a a post autopsy case, or there's nothing in your world, including TV that prepares you for what you're going to see. Now, when I say prepare, I don't mean that it's so damaging that you'll never get over it. Um, it, it really is sort of a non-issue. Like, it's not as bad as you will create that image to be. So, it's unusual and shocking in its unusualness, but it's really nothing like you or your listeners create in your head. Yeah, so, so it's all there. It's yeah. I mean, you walk up and you, you look at it and you're like, oh, well, okay. That's not exactly what I thought it looked like, but uh, all right, that's cool. And you move on. So <laughs> no. if you're no longer grossed out or if you're not grossed out by that idea of an embalming, I'll have to admit that I have a general phobia of 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 blood giving. So my personal qualm here, my personal bias here is that whenever a nurse comes to me to take blood from my body, I I flip out. I go to completely insane. I have to get, I I actually, the last time I had a blood test, I had the nurse come to my house and I paid her like, you know, there's a service up here in Canada that costs like (laughs) some amount of money. And and, and she just came and I was just this like screeching thing on the bed, like, like all bent up and it was disaster. And and you know how long it took? It's completely, it took like maybe a minute or less. I was going to say less than a minute. Less than a minute. And she she just, you know, handed me like three chocolate bonbons and told me not to get up. 
for another like 15 minutes and basically I'll let myself out. Yeah. He's like, you just, you just stay there. Like, you know, don't, uh, don't, don't trouble yourself, but it's completely irrational. So I think that harkens back to like what you were talking about sort of with, it's kind of all in your head. Like it doesn't make any rational sense that I'm so freaked out by this. Right. I can, right. I can sort of trace it back to my childhood when I had, like I had a sickness where I had way too many blood tests as a kid, right? So I had veins okay. that were collapsing and stuff. So it was very unpleasant. So I can kind of, I kind of trace it back to there, but it doesn't, still doesn't make much sense. But all this to say, I'm just, uh, I'm just curious: is there something these days that really freaks you out, or, or makes you totally grossed out? Or like, is it rotten food or something? Like, what, what freaks um, you out? Heights. So- so when you when you said embalming, and the reason I asked specifically embalming because embalming's a the whole idea of embalming and, and the traditional funeral providers will tell you that it's to sanitize the body and to redu- reduce the transmission of disease and you know all of these things that are quite honestly nonsense. But that that said, um, it does reduce a bacterial count. So it's not gross from that perspective. What is nasty and continues to be nasty and is revolting under pretty much any circumstances to anyone even in the profession is decomp or decomposition cases. I mean, it's rotten flesh and it smells rotten (laughs) and it's, it's horrible. And do you get used to it? I, I guess you kind of do after a while. You you know it's coming, so there's nothing shocking about it. Or, you know, there's there's always an underlying scent of decomp or death around a funeral home. I mean, it's it's more of a note on a scent um, when it's not in your face. Um, you know, so it's called kind of in the background. And so you can smell it in interesting places as you walk through the world. Um, and, and you'll, you'll kind of get a whiff of it and you know what it's like. And you also know that no one around you knows what it is. Um, but that is nasty. Like th- there, there's no two ways about it. It's nasty. Um, and you know, it also sort of segues into a question that a lot of people have, about caring for the dead, um, their own dead in their own home. And they want us to be at their house within 15 minutes. Like, you know, we're an ambulance service. And the primary reason why they want that is because they think the person's going to go south. You know, (laughs) like something bad is going to happen immediately after they stop breathing. And it's, it's not a very, it doesn't happen that way. First of all, um, you know, I, and, and my colleagues in the order of the good death actually to the contrary, want you to spend time with your loved one in the home. You know, I mean, nothing bad or magical happens after death. Um, you know, state and local laws will, will vary, you know, in Washington state, we have to do something within 24 hours, and and that's pretty standard. Um, and not to to get too into the weeds on that, you know, as far as what you can do as far as preservation. But um, you know, you can keep a dead person at home 
for 12 hours and have people come by and visit and dress them and do their makeup and hair. And you can do all of that and nothing's going to happen. And the, the analogy I will use that people always kind of like wrinkle up their nose on is if you leave a turkey on your kitchen counter, you know, and it sits out there for 12 hours, nothing bad's going to happen. I mean, admittedly, you probably don't want to eat it, but you're also not going to eat your dad. So, I mean, you wouldn't know that anything was wrong with that turkey. But you leave it out there for a week, and you're going to know you've got a turkey on your counter. And this is actually so, this actually brings me back to sort of uh, when I was, uh, you know, I, I grew up uh, Irish. My family's Irish, and we have... The whole okay. idea of the visitation and and the even even the wake, and that's right. sort of what it's about. It's you're you're staying with the the body, sure. for some period, right? Yeah, and I mean that's it's pretty traditional through most most cultures around the world. I mean, there aren't many cultures that are like, oh my god, we got to get this thing into the ground yesterday, like before you stop breathing. I mean, that doesn't happen around the world. There is a very methodical process to caring for the dead in almost every culture ours included even though it's a little whacked um there the jews and the catholics have it down you know and so the irish being an extension of the catholic um you know i mean that is that is a culture that knows how to deal with the dead and not necessarily the dead but knows how to work through grief and that's what it's about it isn't about disease and cholera and I mean that's not what handling the dead's about. What it's about is working through that loss. Yeah, actually, um I was at Barbados a while back because my wife mm-hmm. uh, her family comes from Barbados and uh okay. there's actually a um there's actually well, she comes from a small part of Barbados in the north part of the island. Is and- there a big part of Barbados? <laughs> Well, there's the big city. No, no. The, okay. she, she comes from, well, by big city, I mean tiny. But I mean, right. uh, she we come from the sticks, okay? So she comes from the right. sticks, the very north part. And there's a graveyard, um, a small graveyard, um, very few actual graves. It's very interesting. I mean, the people are just buried there. But the when it comes to actual graves, they're just sort of like little trees and things there, to be honest. Hmm. And uh, the last time I Sounds went really there... Cool. Yeah, well, the last time I look, I went there, I actually looked down, and uh, it, it, I found it startling. At first, I was looking down at about half a, uh, about half a skull, and it was bleached white in the sun. That's so cool. And I, basically, my theory is that uh, I don't think it was you know dug up or anything. I, I think that you know the the ground can kind of heave. That's what I was told, at least. So it, it might have just sort of bubbled up. If you know what I mean, if it's not down there, that I mean, that's what I was told by someone else. But basically, what I'm getting at is that um, some people can think it's kind of cool that I mean it it's there and 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 you know there's that's where they they put the bodies and people grieve. But um, I was actually told that uh, the contrary, people didn't actually go into the graveyard because they were so afraid of being near or yeah. in the graveyard that they didn't go near it so that's why it was a, had terrible upkeep 
Huh. Interesting. Yeah, I mean there's there's cultures all over all over the place that have very strong beliefs around death and and the people who care for the dead. Um, you know, kind of an untouchables mentality. Uh and you know, I mean to a certain degree, you know, you go back to your how's your dating life question. And I mean we we kind of have that too, but I mean, yeah, a lot of those like, you know, Haiti and Barbados and Aruba. I mean, some of those cultures down there have a real aversion to being around death. Like, that that needs to be over there. <laughs> this actually, I mean, I think a lot of it may have had to have done, had to do with maybe some of the spookiness of it. Uh, I mean, oh, I'm uh, sure. <laughs> supernatural ideas about uh, graveyards and, 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 you know, ghosts or, or spirits or something. Um, I mean, is there much of that going on in, in your community? I mean, I don't know how in tap you are with others or how often you guys get together, but I mean, is there like, uh, are you guys all fairly like, uh, you know, well, I want to say not, not in so much into the woo necessarily, or are you guys, or are you, you guys sort of have like a, a gamut or a spectrum there so are you speaking of the order of the good death or funeral directors or yeah actually let's just uh let's make it sort of general for now like funeral directors and in general and then maybe just let me know about the funeral the uh, order of the good death which is what we'll visit next so what uh, let me kind of tease out the question i'm i'm a little unclear are our funeral directors kind of woo woo about death or yeah, I mean, uh, it, for yourself or, or your experience with other funeral directors, I mean, are, have you noticed that some people maybe assign a a large supernatural component to the body itself and, and maybe are creeped out by the body in that way? I w- well, I don't think you'd get into this this business if if you held those beliefs. And if you did, they'd probably go by the wayside pretty quickly. Um you know, I mean, kind of back to living in a funeral home. I mean, it's a job, and our job is to care for the dead. And you don't know the people before they show up on your doorstep. I mean, you've never seen these people, so you have no intimate connection with them. Uh, you've never seen them before, so there there isn't a sense of loss for a funeral director. Um there's there's really very little emotion beyond the honor of being able to prepare and care for them um, because they can't care for themselves. So uh, as far as being, like, personally, I'm terrified of death. Like, the act of dying, I do not want to do. I mean, that's a biological imperative in humans. We don't want to die. Um, so am I less scared of death? No. Um, but I'm not scared of what happens after death, you know, to my body. Um, because there, it's not, I mean, it's a daily thing for me. Like (laughs) I see that all the time. And if you spent time around a dead person, there isn't much woo. And as a matter of fact, there isn't much interesting about it. Um, it's just, a dead person. <laughs> it's not much going on there. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, just, I, I totally agree with you. I, I think that, 
a lot of people have this feeling or that that maybe after they die they're going to somehow keep uh hanging around in some capacity and not enjoy, you know not having a good time uh, I think I share your point of view where, like, uh, I mean, I'm not concerned w- about what happens after I'm dead. For me, it's the same as before I was born. I mean, that's my right. theory. Um, right. But the whole act of dying, I mean, I, I have been to funeral homes. Um, my father-in-law, I got to watch him deal with Parkinson's and his decline. And uh, that that absolutely terrifies me. It, not yes. only the dying, but the loneliness as well. If you if you don't have a family that can deal with, you know, watching your decline or your transition, yeah. however you want to put it. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. I I always say, you know, I mean, hospice is the stuff that I I can't even imagine doing. Like that that transition. Wow, I just can't even imagine it. You know, whereas, you know, I mean, working in a funeral home, uh, it's all done. <laughs> like I said, it's pay, it's pushing paper. Um, but yeah, that transition through disease, you know, watching my mom die, and, and that's just grisly. Yeah, actually, my hard. my, and again, when it came to our experience, it was actually um, the death actually brought some form of relief to be honest. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think that's more common than not. I mean, it's like so much suffering that finally it's like, oh, God, at least it's over. Yeah. Uh, Wow. Kind of got a little bummed out there. Uh, Got things a little (laughs) low. Um, I I guess maybe I'd like to try (laughs) to... Bring it back, Sean. Yeah. (laughs) Bring it back. (laughs) Try to leave it. I'm all out of funny stories here, but what what I think (laughs) I I might want to try and bring it back to is... um, uh, what we've been kind of teasing at this whole time, and that's the the order of the good death, which mm-hmm. is a website online, but it's also a community of people who work in, um, how should I put this, in the death and uh, industry, well, in the funeral yeah, industry. So, so not specifically the funeral industry. Caitlin Dowdy started... The Order of the Good Death back in 2011, I think it was. She and I met in November of 2011. And I think she started up in April or May, somewhere around in there. At any rate, um, what it was, well, what it is now is it's a collection of people that all have an interest in topics and activities around death, death and dying, and post-mortem care. And it's a very broad stroke. So there are a lot of members of the order that you alluded to earlier, you know, are librarians and medical historians and, you know, doing wonderful work in topics that are on the periphery of, you know, care for the dead. So, for example, Lindsay Fitzharris uh, is an author who's originally from the Chicago area but lives in London, and she's a medical historian who, you know, has worked extensively in, you know, 17th century medical alchemy and does a lot of work around, you know, bizarre diseases that lead to death. Um, you know, Megan Rosenblum is, is a medical librarian uh, down at USC. And so there's a lot of intersection between death and 
in some of the the academic stuff that she works in or um, Angela here in in Washington State makes jewelry um, that is uh, morning jewelry and that's not morning as in before noon it's morning m-o-u-r and that's jewelry that incorporates either ashes or hair um, into the design so it's this broad swath of artists academics and then there's a few of us (laughs) fondly enough i think caitlin and i i'd have to go back and look at the list i think she and i are the only two actual funeral professionals (laughs) but uh Yeah, I mean, it's a really wonderful group of people that all touch on topics around death. And the idea is really to bring the conversation of death back into our everyday lives. And that isn't to say, oh, let's sit around and dwell on our mortality. That's not it at all. I mean, because that's, <laughs> I mean, it kind of comes back to our hospice discussion. That's, eh, okay, that's a bit much. Um, but really, I, for me and, and the families I serve, it's like, for God's sake, will you people just talk to each other? I mean, this is going to happen. Your dad has terminal cancer and you need to talk to him. Um, it may not be fun, but do it. Uh, but the order takes that a couple steps further and makes it more of a cultural discussion because if we're having that discussion in our twenties, thirties and forties, um, you know, a dialogue about what does it mean to go through hospice or palliative care? What does it mean to plan our, our final arrangements? You know, what does it mean to, what does that look like? You know, is it Jay Rim's mushroom suit? You know, what, how does that fit into our plans? You know, these are discussions that make death accessible so that when the time comes to really have the conversation and look to heal through that death, it isn't foreign. And we as a society are, are, are stronger as a result of facing our mortality and, and how we handle our human remains. I guess just acknowledging dying, not, not running away from it, and I, I guess reincorporating reincorporating it into the whole arc of your life. I mean, you're born, you live, exactly. you die. That's all part exactly. of a beautiful life. One hopes, yeah. I mean, and it is a cycle that that everyone's embraced and we've gotten away from. But it's very much a part of of who we are. I have to admit that you are the only person I know with this expertise, so I would like to learn more about this. I'm usually the only one at the party. Great. Thanks so much, Jeff, for coming to the show. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. It's been a lot of fun. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. Remember that you can find out about Jeff over at Order of the Good Death. The website is orderofthegooddeath.com. You can also check out Jeff's funeral home. It's elementalnw.com. All the music for this episode is by Chromatics Music. K-R-O-M-A-T-I-K-S. And it's used with permission. You can find them at SoundCloud. Remember, you can check out other episodes of the show as well. It's over at shareaslicepodcast.com. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you'll come back next week.